In chapter 14, verse 1, and one of the prayer requests on here, we just went past very fast, but I want to point out that Denny Weichel, has having knee surgery tomorrow, his vitals are always very, very fragile. And anything that he does out of the ordinary could take him home. So please, especially tomorrow. Do we have a time? Be there at 11.30. Okay. So it's knee surgery. It's something that probably a fourth of us have been through before. But not with him. His, his uh, heart and is very, very fragile. And we were just there a couple weeks ago. And wow. Revelation chapter 14. What a wonderful time to look forward to. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's coming back. And some of these verses are, are written to the, the then Christians, the then born again Jews in the, of the future during the tribulation period, and it's something for us also to be encouraged. Again, I remind you with so much sickness. I was called to Altoona Hospital early this morning. All I got was a text saying, Nora's had another stroke. And I was in the meeting with the doctor when the doctor said one more would probably take her out. Maybe the rapture will happen before one more takes her out. This was a mini stroke that, that she endured. She recovered and uh, she is very sad until you start talking. If you ever go visit her, talk to her about the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. So, and I know, I know, I know about Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe she doesn't know all about it, but I went with it. <laughs> and I equated her situation to being, being on the football field, at the scrimmage line, and a little mini stroke like this is just you being sacked behind the line of scrimmage. Let's get you up and let's go forward. And she said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So keep that in mind. But she is also very fragile and at any time, uh, they try to keep her very calm, so she shouldn't be watching Steeler games. <laughs> Chapter 14, some encouragement, some hope. Wow. And, and I look. Now, the I is the Apostle John, remember. He's been taken up into the third heaven. And he is seeing things that are going to happen. At the beginning of chapter 1, he said things that are then things that were and things that will be. That's the thing to look at. And now we're in the will be's. We could be just simply years, years from this. A mathematical formula would be from this moment plus three and a half years. At the end of three and a half years, the Antichrist will stand. You didn't just get a text that his plane went down, did you? Okay, you got up pretty quick. Wow. 
And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion. Now, need need to have some explanations. I've read a, a couple chapters on this in different books. One, who knows where Mount Zion is? Jerusalem. Mount Zion, that's Jerusalem. But is this lamb going to be standing on the old, where Mount Zion is now? Where the Antichrist rules? Because we've already gotten into that point where the, where the uh, Antichrist has chased out of Israel all the Jews. Remember that. They fled. And with that said, this could also be of him, them extending his vision into seeing Mount Zion in the new Jerusalem when we get there. We're only a couple chapters away. We're only a couple years away from all this, maybe. And even what's happening now in the, the geopolitical world, oh my goodness. Iran wants to start a war. She's doing very provocative things to do a war. She wants a war. She's wanting the 12th Imam to come back. That's their version of Jesus Christ. And with that said, the, he won't come back until there's blood running in the streets. Well, if that is the true Antichrist, when he comes back, the 12th Imam, then uh, they, we will never have peace. So having said all that, and remembering that at this point here in history and in time, Antichrist is running Israel. That's an interesting thing to remember. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, we've already seen the 144,000. We're going to see a description of these. Of these. Uh, and I know I'm looking at, again, some Liberty graduates. And were you in the missionary field there too, Mandy? At Liberty. Anyway, when I, was in, when I was at Liberty, it was before you, obviously, but when I was at Liberty, they, ta they told us that at any one time, all religions and all their missionaries, all the cult missionaries, only came to 53,000 missionaries in the world at one time. This is going to be a time where 144,000 Young men are going to go into the world preaching the gospel to anything that moves and they're not afraid to be killed. They have no fear whatsoever. Let's look at this. I, I especially though wanted to show you they have the Father's name written in their foreheads. Now what you want to do is look at your neighbor right now and see if they have the Father's name written on the forehead. Because literally, physically, you do. Spiritually, you do. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart. Keep your finger there. And I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 
1 Corinthians 6.19, a wonderful passage for us to remember. Let's look again. Let's start in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 6.18. You with me? I hear some pages. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Verse 19. Know ye not that your body is the temple, the building of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, the Holy Spirit living inside you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You don't own this. Born again Christians, going to heaven, you have been bought with the price of his blood on the cross. We don't own this. And the next verse says, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's another, if you take notes, there's another Almost exact verse in 1 Corinthians 3.16 says the same thing. But we're bought. We, ha we have own He has ownership of us. If He owns us, we are not permitted to make decisions concerning what this body is going to do without His permission. And we need to remember that. And we're to we're to flee fornication. Fornication is any kind of sexual act out of marriage. We're to flee from it, run from it. It's not to be part of the true Christian's life. Having said that, I want you to look at that verse with me again back in uh, Revelation 14, 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty-four thousand, having his father's his father's name written in their foreheads, signifying ownership. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And also I heard the voice of harpers. Harping with their harps. Music. Heaven. Is going to be filled with music. I know most of you love music. Some of you have no care one way or the other. You may not like heaven. Heaven is going to be filled with music and singing and harps. I, I, I personally years ago... 20 years ago almost, we, we had a young, a young girl that played the harp up here for us once every couple of months. But it's just a beautiful, beautiful instrument. I hear we have someone now, they're not here tonight, that also plays the harp. But we'll have to talk about that later. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, verse 2. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? The voice of 
thundering waters, and yet it's the voice of the harp. The harps are there. The music there are there. Harping with their harps. And, and they, the 144,000, sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. We've already covered those things. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. The word redeemed, purchased, bought. Uh, we've been talking recently about reaping, how the, the Lord's going to reap the earth. Those 144,000 are rewarded with a new song. And it's a reward to them to sing that song to Jesus. Music must be very important to Jesus. If you don't care about music, you can start training yourself to care about music. Just have it on, have it on in the background of your house or your car. Good music. So let me say that. They were redeemed from the earth. These are they, here's a description of these 144,000. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now, that's not to say that having, having intimacy with your wife is a defilement. No, that's a responsibility and a joy. But if you've never had that, there's a self-discipline that comes with that. And these 144,000 have, they are using all their passion and joy for the Lord and not for self. And they, uh, these are they which were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb wherever he goes. These men, being the first fruits or representative of man unto God and to the Lamb, redeemed from among men, the 144,000, from chapter 7 of Revelation. And here they come up again. Here's some more description of them. And in their mouth was found no guile, no guile, no deceit, no fraud, no hypocrisy, no, no gossip, no anger, no guile in their, in their hearts. For they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, if you turn very quickly to Jude, to Jude not very far back, but to Jude 24, I wanted to share that with you. It's the book just beyond, just backward from Revelation. And then Jude 24. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's able to present us faultless. We have to do our part. But he'll do the presenting. You know, Father, here's so-and-so. 
I present him to you. He is faultless. As much as is possible can be faultless. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To be faultless is to have exceeding joy. And it gives Christ joy as well. Verse 6 now, another angel shows up. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. The everlasting gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. Well, what's the good news? You've got to remember it. The word gospel came out, and here too, it, in the first century, when this was written, the Jews, the Jewish nation, you had to be a Jew to go to heaven. It's, it's, it's tantamount by, of saying, you've got to have a blue shirt like Raymond to go to heaven. And Jesus comes along and changes the rules. It's not, heaven is not just for Jews now. As a matter of fact, unregenerate Jews will go to hell. We've seen that. But now the good news is everyone, anyone can go to heaven regardless of your past. Do you get that? That's important to someone here. Regardless of your past, it doesn't matter what you've committed, what sin, what failing. God doesn't care about your past. You confess, you repent, and you go forward. That's what he cares about. He wants to remake us. So having said that, verse 6 again. And I saw another angel flying in the middle of heaven. I guess when we're in heaven, we might, like we see birds now, we're, we're liable to see angels flying around. That, to me, would be exciting. These angels have the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Everyone on the earth are going to be touched with this, the good news that Jesus Christ will forgive you and save you and take you to heaven. Now, I remember again back in, back in Missions 101 in college, they were saying we may not be, have a missionary in every country right now. They were bragging about this. But if it counts to have the, have the word of God broadcasted over free radio Europe, then the... the then the gospel is being preached even now, and that was back in the 70s, even now it's being preached in every, in every country of the world over uh, the airwaves. Now this angel, verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. Stopping for a moment. What do we mean by fear God? 
What do we mean by fear God, honor God? Some people who even claim to be Christian, they have no fear. They're not afraid of God or the consequences of their sins. Also, to fear God is to honor Him with deep respect and to give our hearts and lives to Him. To fear God. But so many, even people who call themselves Christians, don't have a fear of God, God's love. Well, I'll tell you what, by the time we get to here, and as we go further, even in this chapter, God's love, now he's God's judgment. There's going to be a lot of death, even in this chapter here. Verse 7 again, fear, reverence, honor, obey. Obey. That's a, that's a word you don't hear about. Be in submission to. I said that to somebody this week. And they said, I'm not submitting to anybody. Okay, that's on you. That's on you if you're not going to submit to God, the all-powerful God. And you're not going to submit to him. No matter how good and bright and smart and intelligent you are, you'd better submit to a higher power to that higher power, if he's in control of your destiny. And really, even starting here, you better submit to God. Submit yourselves one to another and to God. Verse 7 again. This angel saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. When you say give glory, part of that is to give submission and obedience to him. For the hour of his judgment is next week. He doesn't say that. It is come. It is now at this point. This, these are the last days. These are the last days. For the hour of his judgment is come. And... Again, this angel, worship him that made heaven, made earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. The fountains of the waters. Uh, speaking of that, I think Brother Ted and I both love Henry Morris. Henry Morris is an expert on uh, how old young earth and... and uh, how young the earth really is. And the, the, the complaint was, well, there's not, enough, there's not enough water on the earth for it to truly go up above the highest mountain peaks. But Dr. Morris makes the comment that there are springs, number one, in the ocean, water gushing up. And two, he makes the comment that around the earth, is a vapor canopy, and it's water. And when it says God's going to open up the windows of the sky, all the water of that vapor canopy swooshed down on the earth and drowned it. So here's again this, this fact that the sea and the fountains of the waters, last he made them, God made them, he's the creator. Verse 8, second message of the angel and there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city which 
because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Lots of speculation about Babylon. Is it the real Babylon? There's some illusion that Rome is the new Babylon here. There's some illusion that, that Jerusalem. But the truth is, to me this is the truth, that when he says Babylon, he's speaking of the economic, political world of the Antichrist. We are hours or days away from Armageddon here. Starting to describe it now, even, in this chapter. And when he's saying the, the, the economical, political, religious world of the Antichrist and the false prophet, covered that last week, it's going down after they have killed millions of Christians. And there followed another Angel, verse 8, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Third angel. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man, and I want you to listen, this is what I was trying to get to you last week. If any man worships the beast, and his image. <coughs> and receive his mark on their forehead or the hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Which is poured out without mixture of the cup of his indignation. And he shall be. If you receive the mark. Here or here. If you miss the rapture. If you go through this and you receive the mark, and, and by the way, you might say, well, I'll do it, but I won't mean it. I'll wait. You've got to understand. That's part of the religion of the terrorist. Their book teaches them that it's even a plus. They're allowed to lie. They're allowed to steal. They're allowed to trick and deceit. If you're an infidel. And here we are. Trying to make a peace treaty with. Peace treaty. With them. It's been a long day. So. Same way here. I've heard people say to me. Oh, if I have to. I'm going to take the mark. But I won't mean it. What did that verse say? If you take the mark of the beast. Please. Let this be something. Take the bullet, take the sword, don't take the mark. What's it say? Verse 10. The same people shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, pure wrath into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented, the person that takes the mark, with fire and brimstone. In the presence of the holy angels. And in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment. Ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest nor. No rest day nor night. Who worship the beast and his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. 
We saw that back in Revelation 9, that no matter what happened, there's Revelation 9ers, no matter what happened, they would not repent. After half the world has died, they would not repent because of their fornication, because of their drugs, their witchcraft, because of a couple other things, they will not repent. And the smoke of their torment went up forever and ever. Who did, who smoke? Who's it? Those that took the mark of the beast. Please don't do it if you're not, if, if you're a questionable Christian, don't take that mark. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image. And whosoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep, here's the, here's the two points. They keep the commandments of God. They're obedient to God. God's rules, not theirs. God's rules, not society's. Society has ultimately just changed completely. The good are bad, and the bad become good. I said there were two, two things there that describe the patience of the saints. The saints are the born-again believers. Here are they that keep, one, the commandments of God, and two, and the faith of Jesus Christ. They believe in Him. Watch, watch, no matter what. Sadness come, you still have your faith. Disappointment come, so many evil things can happen, you still have your faith. Let's just stop right there. That's a good place. Without, without faith, no man will see God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, go with us into our, our lives, our homes, our families, Lord. And Lord, us, Lord, let us help us to prepare for these times and to prepare our loved ones and friends, Lord, because they surely are going to happen and maybe soon. In Jesus' name, amen.